We're going to have a question and answer session now, based on the last lecture, which is a very important subject, the young men in the cave. Hmm? And when I have answered your questions, then it will be my time to ask you questions. So nobody's allowed to leave the hall. Alright? Now, in the last lecture, we looked at the story of the young man in the cave and the dog that they took with them and the sun coming up in the mornings and setting in the evening and the sunlight coming in and the bodies rolling to the left and to the right and how they slept in the cave for 300 years and some add 9 to the 300 because if you count with the solar calendar and you measure 300 and you want to to calculate it now in accordance with the lunar calendar for every 100 years you add 3 so for 300 years it will become 309 the lunar calendar and then the story tells us of how Allah woke them up and when he woke them up the reason why he woke them up was to determine who who would have a correct estimate and touch and measure how much time were you here and so at the very heart of this event is the notion of time in Islam hmm? and the notion of time in Islam and no one can crack the subject of Dajjal no one can crack open the subject of Dajjal without understanding time. Hmm? Uh, then of course they send someone to buy some food and the Quran mentions about the care which he took the care which he took to buy the purest food and then the money which he was using out of date and they got to know that these people had slept for 300 years and so on and then they decided to erect a monument to preserve the memory of this mirac miraculous event and they chose to build a masjid indicating that the godless storm had passed. The sunshine had come back and the world was now a world which had faith in Allah. Hmm? Here's the story. Now, do, there were some of you who were there were some of you who were questioning me after the lecture last time but we didn't have the chance for a question and answer session. There was someone I believe who differed with me on the subject of phototropism and photosynthesis. 
phototropism being movement as a consequence of attraction to light and photosynthesis being the transformation of sunshine or sunlight into energy. Mm. Alright, so let us begin with a, a question and answer session so I can rest my throat for a little bit. Uh, if you have any questions. The Quran does not, if you read the text, you will see where Allah The Qur'an does not confirm that they slept in the cave for 300 years. The Qur'an leaves us with the statement, Allah knows how long they stayed in the cave. But by mentioning 300 and 309, it is an indication that the young men were in a dimension of time in which what appeared to be a day or a part of a day was in fact a long period of time of a few hundred years. Similarly the Quran speaks of another dimension of time in which a day with Allah is like 50,000 years. And then another place in the Quran where a day with Allah is like 1,000 years of your counting. And then this one where a day appears to be like a few hundred years, 300 years. And then another one where a day, remember the donkey? Fellow with a donkey? And he was passing by the town. And the town is lying in ruins. And he said, how could this ever be raised to life again? Hmm? And the commentators say that this was Uzair alayhi salam, whom the Jews called Ibnullah, the son of Allah. Or call it in Yahud, Uzair Ibnullah. And then Allah caused him to die for a hundred years. And then Allah brought him back to life. And Allah says, now look at your food. Lam yatasanna. It's still fresh. The food's still fresh. Now look at your donkey. The donkey had not only died. The donkey had not only rotted. Even the bones had turned to dust over that period of time. And then Allah caused the reverse transformation and the bones came back together and the flesh became, came on the bones and the donkey came to life. This is Allah's response to that man. So here we are, two dimensions of time juxtaposed with each other. One in which the food is still fresh 
and the other in which the donkey died and the bones turned to dust. The Quran is teaching you, knocking on your door of your heart to tell you that time is not unidimensional, time is multidimensional. When you understand this, now you can deal with the child. And that is the lecture that's coming up on the 18th, inshallah, on the child. What happened to the dog? The Quran does not tell us what happened to the dog, but we can infer that not only did the dog not survive, but the young men also did not survive for long after they had been brought back to the waking state. The inference is there because there's no gap between the young man going to fetch the food and then the next event is the building of a monument to preserve the memory of this event. Hmm? And so the likely uh, answer to that question is that the dog died together with the young man. Any other questions? There are two, there are two, uh, two claimants. <laughs> One, I, I know of two. One is in a, in Turkey, uh, in southern Turkey, and the other is in Jordan. And both are rivaling each other. Has anyone ever visited? You have one. Anybody else? Which one you went to? Turkey? Jordan. Okay. Ashabul Kaf. One in Jordan, one in Turkey. Uh, but, uh, there is no way that we can actually confirm the uh, validity of the claim, whether it was Jordan or whether it was Turkey. Uh, clearly it would be a place where Banu Israel lived, Israelite people, because these were Israelite people. Hmm? Uh, the Qumran caves where the Dead Scrolls were located. Hmm? indicates that there were Jews living in caves in Jordan. Uh, any other questions? You have two questions. Alright. Any other questions on the subject? Yeah? Okay. Now who is it who, who had some thoughts about photosynthesis and phototropism? Was it you? Who is it? Question, is the story of the young man in the cave told also in the scriptures of the Jews and the Christians? If it is, is it exactly the same narration? It is not only to be found amongst the Jews, it is also to be found in books which are not scriptures. It is uh, the most famous reference to the story in history outside of the scriptures is is it Edward Gibbon or Roger Gibbon who wrote the decline? Roger? Edward? Edward Gibbon. And Roger Gibbon is a scientist. Scientist. Huh? Scientist. Scientist. 
Cyclist. No, this is Roger Yeah, I'm talking about the decline and the fall of the Roman Empire by Edward Gibbon. That book has the story of the young man and the cave. Most references to this story today declare that they were Christians. But we quoted Ibn Kathir in our class and uh, Muhammad Asad as well who challenged this. Uh, why would the story, a miraculous story concerning Christians confirm to the Jews <laughs> that this man is indeed a true prophet of Allah when they rejected Nabi Isa alayhi salam as a prophet of Allah and as the Messiah they rejected him so it's hardly likely that they were Christians they were Jews um, any other questions? Phototropism is a scientific phenomenon which every housewife is familiar because you all have a plant in your home and you put it by the window and the plant moves towards the sunlight yeah um, and this attraction to sunshine attraction to sunlight this is called phototropism. The Quran appears to be directing our attention to scientific research which would be of great value to us in the age of Dajjal. Because in the age of Dajjal, said the Prophet people would have to flee to the mountains. Flee to the mountains. This is coming up. This is the next 50 years coming up ahead of us. When you flee to the mountains, when you flee away far from the centers of society, you're not a part of the national grid. <laughs> Where are you going to get energy from? The answer appears to be energy from the elements, like water, like the sea, the, the, the wind power, the seashore. But most important of all, solar energy. I do believe I may mention to you uh, last week that wherever in the world of Islam, indeed the non-European world, we have attempted to research solar energy for the purpose of achieving some energy independence and energy security. The powers that be, plus the World Bank and the IMF, have always attempted, and successfully so, to stop such research. I know one famous example of an engineer in Lahore, Pakistan, attempting to use solar energies for a simple thing like a fan. For a fan. <laughs> and the IMF and the World Bank 
pressurize the Pakistan government to stop his work. Mm? So, there is for us, when we attempt to build a Muslim village in Trinidad, as inshallah we will, then we would not remain dependent on the national grid for energy. Of course we can utilize it. But in addition to that, we'll have an alternative source of energy in mastering the scientific research necessary, mastering it, so that we can exploit solar energy, both the photosynthesis and phototropism. Uh, any other questions? Yes? Oh, you're the one. Ah, come on in. Assalamualaikum. It's just that photosynthesis and phototropism are related to plants. It is only the green part of plant that is called chlorophyll. It's the only manufacturing machine in the world as such for food. It is only this can produce all the food we eat, directly or indirectly. If we eat meat, they eat grass. So sunlight goes onto the green parts of the plant and it is only this that manufactures food, all types of food. I was just saying that the fact that, you know, Allah knows best, but if light is coming on two sides, I want to feel the more likely explanation would have been energy heat. And if a body rolls, the more likely explanation is in fact circulation. You know, people sleep on the ground, you know, they sleep on the ground and it's an effort to get, you know, and as you roll on the ground, it would give more of an indication that, you know, as I say, circulation is more important in this particular aspect. So that perhaps it's a little lesson too that they need to keep on exercising the knee health and this sort of thing, you know. But um, the rolling, I would say, is more for circulation and the sunlight would be for energy. Okay. If someone is on a bed lying for three weeks without being turned, what happens? You can bed sores. You can bed sores. And if you're there for 300 years, you've got a lot of bed sores. And so the rolling also has the function of keeping the bodies intact without bed sores. But there must be some explanation of the link between the sunlight entering and which sunlight comes heat. The sunshine gives both light and heat, not light alone. Of the correlation between the sunshine entering in the morning and in the evening, and the body is rolling from the right to the left and to the right and to the left. Hmm? This is my understanding, and Allah knows best. And so when we attempt to build a Muslim village, inshallah, we will strive as best as we can to achieve some independence of energy. But there's a crucial point here. If our effort to achieve energy independence is something which is 
non-threatening to anyone, then why in the name of all the heavens above, why would those who today control power in the world, why would they be so intent on ensuring that we do not achieve that energy independence? Hmm? The answer appears to be that solar energy could have given Pakistan and Bangladesh a measure of relief from the grip of the World Bank and the IMF. If they were able to satisfy a significant part of their energy needs from the abundant sunshine that they have. Hmm? Abundant sunshine in Pakistan and yet not being exploited to achieve, to achieve some independence of energy. So Pakistan is dependent on oil which has to be imported. Yeah. Uh, any other questions? <coughs> now, can I ask some questions? Is there any link between Dajjal? Can you discern any link between Dajjal and the story of the young man in the cave? Would like to, you were not here, Riaz, last week. You got away. Brother Rashid, what link do you see between the story of the young man in the cave and Dajjal? Where is the evidence that Dajjal had influenced the people of that community? You're moving in the right direction. No, the story, in the story, in the Quran, where is the evidence? Where is the evidence? Brother Nizam, you were not here last week, you got away. Said. Okay, anyone? Where the sisters? Huh? No. Question. Where is the evidence of a link in the story, in the Quran, between the young men in the cave, the story of the young men in the cave and Dajjal? Where is the link? Yes, but that's only part of the answer. Yes? The Yes, and we must make that dua as well. But there's a very plain, clear link. When we address the subject of Dajjal, we explain that to you. Huh? You can't remember what the black ant on the black stone? The black ant on the black stone on the dark night? The people have turned away from the 
they were actually committing shirk. هَؤُلَاءِ قَوْمُنَا اتَّخَذُوا مِن دُونِهِ آلِهَةً لَوْلَا يَأْتُونَ عَلَيْهِمْ بِسُلْطَانٍ بَيِّنٍ Our people were worshipping other than Allah. Our people had embraced shirk. The attack of Dajjal will be most of all an attack of shirk. That is the link between the story of the young man in the cave and Dajjal. Secondly, as Brother Shafi pointed out, they wanted that you must become a part of that godless melting pot. The minute you wanted to stay out of it, they're coming after you, demonizing you, terrorizing you, because you resist becoming a part of the shirk, the godless melting pot. When you turn away from them, and you decided to retain your faith in Allah, then came the situation where either you submitted or they going to kill you. At that point in time, when all the doors were closed to live as a Muslim, what do you do? Well, you got to compromise now. Eh? You got to compromise now. You got to make a deal. After all, you got to live. Eh? Isn't it? Is that what they did? You got to compromise. You got to make a deal. You have to live. If they don't, if they don't let you have the freedom to live as a Muslim, well, you're going to have to give up part of your religion in order to live. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now teaches us how to respond to Dajjal. The young man in the cave gave us the response that when they close all the doors for you, and there is no door left for you to live as a Muslim, then what you do is that you leave that world. The Prophet said that the time will come when a believer, in order to preserve his faith, would have to flee to the mountain sides where rain falls and take with him some, some sheep and goats. Don't leave all the goats, eh? No goat meat. The time will come when a believer, in order to preserve his faith, would have to flee to the mountain sides where rain falls. Rain and therefore food crops food crops, rain, and take with him some sheep and goats, therefore dairy farming. Food crops, dairy farming. At that time, said the Prophet, 
holding on to Islam would be like holding on to come on somebody hot coals holding on to Islam will be like holding on to hot coals if you can hold on to the hot coals preserving your faith if you can give up everything and flee to the mountain sides to preserve your faith what status would you have with Allah now let me give you a hadith I quoted this hadith in South Africa you know you ain't see divisions yet in Trinidad you will go to South Africa to see it <laughs> and when I quoted this hadith in South Africa they probably had never heard it before and the storm it created among some people because of a lack of understanding he said my ummah is like the rain have you heard it before anybody? have you heard this hadith before anybody? no my ummah is like the rain I do not know which shower is better the first or the last <laughs> can you weigh the significance of these words but they took it differently in South Africa I said, oh, who, who is he to come and talk about any people who could have the status of the Sahaba <laughs> my ummah is like the rain I do not know which shower is better the first or the last hmm? so that those who hold on to the hot coals those who give up the world and flee when there is no other alternative to preserve your faith will receive a reward from Allah that will be very 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 great hmm? this then is a link between the story of the young man in the cave and the job. the second link of course is the question of time that these young men slept for 300 years but it appeared like a day now what's the hadith about Dajjal? When he's released, Sahih Muslim, when he's released, he will live on earth for 40 days. Which is not one month and 10 days, eh? Because we, we're not talking necessarily of one dimension of time. He will live on earth for 40 days. One day like a year, one day like a month, one day like a week and the rest of his days like your days. If you cannot penetrate the subject of multi-dimensional time, you cannot handle that job. The story when it directs attention to time also has yet another link with the job and that is that remember his one eye he sees with only one eye the other eye is blind he has only external vision 
internally blind? Anyone who is internally blind will not be able to recognize any reality beyond material reality. Let me repeat that. Let me repeat that. Anyone who is internally blind will not be able to recognize any reality beyond material reality. And so the one-eyed people will always eventually embrace materialism. Not, no matter what religion they have, <laughs> they embrace materialism. Hmm? When you embrace materialism, you will live for the dunya. I live for the dunya. I'll die for the dunya. Everything I do, I do it for the dunya. Now Dajjal has actually taken control. When the heart is turned towards the dunya, what happens to time? Nice, good question, good answer. <laughs> good answer, mashallah for attending this class. Once the heart is attached to the dunya, you will experience the phenomenon of time moving faster and faster and faster and faster. A whole year will pass, like what? A whole year will pass and it will feel like a month. And a whole month will pass like a week. And a whole week will pass like a day. And a whole day will pass like an hour. And a whole hour will pass like the amount of time it takes to kindle a fire. And this is one of the signs of Kiyama. So all that you have to do is to examine your heart to see Am I experiencing this phenomenon of time moving faster and faster? If I am, then the implication is that I have become too much attached to the dunya. Okay? The minute you turn away from the dunya, and you turn to Allah, something happens to your perception of time. What is it? Time now begins to move sliciously slow. Huh? Deliciously slow. Bobby's smiling now. <laughs> Deliciously slow. You have all the time in the world to do everything you want to do. The day is so long. <laughs> That you can achieve everything. It, it, sometimes you feel as though Allah is lengthening the day for you. So you could do this and you could do that and you could do that. No hurry. No busy, 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 busy. Here are very significant links between the story of the young man in the cave and the job. Alright, let us now, if you have it, do you have any more questions? Yes? Between Dajjal and Shaitan. 
Shaitan, Mr. Shaitan is Iblis. Iblis. Iblis is a jinn. Wakana min a jinn, says Surah Al Kaf. Allah did not create Iblis as an evil being. No. Allah gave, gave to the jinn the capacity for a free choice. He gave them a self-directed will or free will so they could make a free choice. If you make a choice and you obey Allah, you go to heaven. If you make a choice and you disobey Allah, you go to hell. And so Iblis made the choice to disobey and he goes to hell. Dajjal is not my man. Dajjal is not going to heaven and he's not going to hell. <laughs> no. Dajjal has no free choice. He has no self-directed will. No free will. He's not a human being. He would appear as a human being. But he's not a human being. He's not a jinn. He's not an angel. Because angels commit no evil. He cannot be a human being and he cannot be a jinn. Because he does not have any free will to make a choice to obey or disobey. Rather Allah created him as a special creation. And Allah programmed him to fulfill a certain mission. So there's a world of a difference between Dajjal and Shaitan. Shaitan has become an evil being on the basis of his own choice. Yeah. No. The question that he is asking is Surah Yasin speaks about the people whose hearts have been sealed. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ سَدًّا وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ سَدًّا فَأَكْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَمْنَا يُسْرُونَ A people whose hearts are sealed. They don't have any choice. Wrong. It is because they exercise their choice and they rejected Allah and they became kuffar that Allah then sealed their hearts. And then Allah said about such people, it didn't make no difference. You could warn them. You didn't warn them. It's like water falling on the back of a duck. They will never believe. Once Allah has sealed your heart, there is no place for you other than the hellfire. Abu Lahab, didn't he have a chance to prove the Quran false? The revelation came down declaring that he belonged to the hellfire. All that he had to do was to go and take the shahada and he made the Quran look like a fool. Didn't he? No, he didn't. Because Allah had sealed his heart. Hmm? Allah had sealed his heart. He could not have done it. There are three kinds of people. There are those whose hearts have faith and whose conduct is righteous. They belong to heaven. There are those whose hearts are sealed 
they kofar, heaven is haram for them, they're going to hell. And then there's a third category. In this third category, Surah Al-Baqarah says about them, فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah forgive whomsoever He wishes to, and Allah will punish whomsoever He wishes to, according to His own uh, judgment. Uh, now, we have a few minutes left. Uh, I want to now use this time to begin the most important subject of Surah Al-Kaf. The most interesting subject of Surah Al-Kaf. The most absorbing subject of all of Surah Al-Kaf. You can't. You cannot deal with politics. You cannot deal with economics. You cannot deal with international affairs. You cannot deal with history without grasping this subject that's coming up now. Mm -hmm. And this is the subject of God and Magog. We want to give you two ahadiths today that you must keep with you constantly as you study the subject. The first is this. The Prophet said that Ya'juj is an ummah of Banu Adam. Ya'juj means God. Is an ummah of Banu Adam. So they're human beings, like you and I. And Ma'juj is an ummah of Banu Adam. And so we are dealing with human beings. Gog and Magog are human beings. Don't send me some email telling me that Gog and Magog live in five miles underneath the earth. Eh? That is an email I got just before I left Malaysia. That they're living, yes, shake, I'm telling you, they're living five miles underneath the earth. Second hadith. It is uh, in Sahih Muslim. You, you're going to, you're going to get a, a handout, but it's going to be a big handout. That's why you're not getting any handout today. With all the hadith, inshallah, and Gog and Magog. All the important hadith. Second hadith on Gog and Magog. I have created creatures of mine, hadith of Qudsi, eh? direct speech of Allah. I have created creatures of mine so powerful that none but I can fight them and destroy them. None but I can fight them and destroy them. These are the two ahadiths I want you to keep with you. Now, <coughs> in our first class, on the first Thursday of February, if you remember, on that occasion, we turn to question number three. Answer these three questions if you are indeed a prophet of Allah. Question three. Tell us about the great traveler who traveled to the two ends of the earth. 
Remember? And then the answer came down in Surah Al-Kahf. And Allah says, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنْ ذِي الْقَرْنَيْنِ And they question thee, O Muhammad alayhi salatu wasalam, about Dhul Qarnayn. Qarn means horn. Qarnayn, two horns. Dhul Qarnayn, the one who possesses two horns. But Qarn also means an age, an epoch. So Zulkarnain, someone who impacts upon two ages or two epochs. The Quran explains itself. Al Quranu yufassiru ba'duha bibah. And so now let us see when the Quran uses the word qarn, in which sense does it use it? The word qarn appears in the Quran about 20 times. And on every instance that Allah uses the word qarn, it means an age or an epoch. It never means a horn. And so we are on solid grounds when we understand the name Dhulqarnayn to imply someone who impacts upon two ages, who has relevance to two ages, one in the past, one to come. Dhulqarnayn possesses faith in Allah and Dhulqarnayn possesses power. They say religion and politics must be kept separate from each other. Doesn't that the secular state? Huh? Keep religion and politics away from each other. The secularization of politics and power. Surah Al-Kahf responds and says, No! Zulkarnain possesses power. Power. He is in control. His government in control. He is the state. But Zulkarnain possesses faith. And so power and faith are combined together in this political dispensation. Mm -hmm. What happens when power rests on the foundations of faith? This was the first class. Zulkarnain travels in the direction of the setting of the sun, comes across the people. Allah says, what are you going to do with them? Either you're going to punish them or you're going to treat them nicely. What will you do? And he responds and he says, those who commit zulum, zulum, acts of injustice, of oppression, of wickedness, I will punish them. And so power, when it rests on the foundations of faith, power is used to punish the oppressor. You love to hear that, don't you? Love to hear that, eh? To punish the oppressor. 
and when they return to you, you will punish them as well. And so when power rests on the foundations of faith, there will be an essential harmony between the world here and the world there. Hmm? He then went on to say that those who have faith and who are righteous in conduct will be rewarded and I'll treat them nicely. And so when power rests on the foundations of faith, that power is used to protect, to preserve, and to reward those who have faith and whose conduct is righteous. Sounds like music in your ears, eh? But you heard this from me already. And then he traveled in the opposite direction. And he came across where the sun was rising. He came across a people Apart from the bare elements, subsistence level living, these people have nothing. They live at a subsistence, the way the birds live. Hmm? You don't know where tomorrow's meal is going to come from. Oh, my fridge is stocked up. I have food for the whole week. But they, they don't know where tomorrow's meal is going to come from. When you meet a people who are living at a subsistence level and you have power and power rests on the foundations of faith, how are you going to respond to these people? You're going to start sharing Mercedes-Benz Molokas? Huh? You're going to start handing out politics of patronage, the PNM did, the politics of patronage, and in the process of patronizing your people, you end up corrupting them? Is what Malaysian government is doing? The politics of patronage. That these people are underprivileged. And so the government and the state has to intervene in the economy in order to be able to bring them up. So handouts. And in the process of handing out, you corrupt them. <laughs> Muhammad didn't function like that. Not at all. He never corrupted the economy. Zulkarnain has the good sense and the wisdom to leave them as they were. To leave them as they were. Hmm? And then he traveled in the third direction and that is when the story of Gog and Magog began. When we come back tomorrow, um, next week inshallah, we will see a, a very interesting story unfolding. The parallel between Zulkarnain and Gog and